Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk all things traffic and conversions. And today's episode is with Ralph and Jordan Rogers Smith of the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast, a podcast produced by Meta that Ralph was recently interviewed on. And they talk a little bit about his journey, but also some of the fundamental things that marketers need to succeed in today's world. So if you're growing an agency or you're a high-level marketer, this interview is definitely going to give you some golden nuggets. Come and let us know what you think about the show at perpetualtraffic.com slash better. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to get into the episode right after this. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hello, and welcome to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rogers-Smith, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. We have Ralph Burns, digital marketing expert, founder and CEO of Tier 11, to talk about how he built a business on Meta and really share some of his insights and knowledge about the, the industry and really how you can grow what your, how you can grow your presence on the platform. So we're going to jump straight into it. And really, I'd love to pass it straight to you, Ralph, and tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about your story and really how you got to where you are today. Thanks for inviting me. Great to be on the show here, Jordan, and happy to, to tell about my experience here. I mean, I, I go back and 
thinking about this the other day. I think we first started advertising, or at least I first started advertising on, at that point, just Facebook, not Meta as of yet. And I think it was 2009, 2010, maybe, maybe the start of 2010, which was only right-hand rail ads. And I was promoting a business that no longer actually exists, but I was working in the corporate world for about 20 years or so, fired twice. And the second time I was fired, it was because I had actually created a, a blog for sales managers, which is a sales management training website, because I was actually managing sales managers. I figured if they were found out about this thing, then they would love it. They're like, oh, this guy is doing something on his own and actually improving his skills. Well, that was not the case. Ended up being sort of an ugly departure. But what I did learn when I was growing that blog was that I really enjoyed the process of getting traffic and just internet marketing, digital marketing in general. And then once that business promptly failed, the second or third one, I think I had tried up until that point, I realized that affiliate marketing was really where I could create ads, do a lot of the things I was doing in the digital marketing side with the sales management training site, but I didn't have a product as of yet. And other people had products, other companies had products. So a logical next step for me is to really learn the ropes and spend my own money, eat what I killed, so to speak, in the affiliate marketing world. And I got into some not so savory, some shady consumer products, some work at home products. But one of the products that I ended up promoting on Facebook for the very first time was a dating product. And it was Christian Mingle. I don't even know if they still exist, George. But back then in 2009, 2010, the only, the only targeting on Facebook was where someone lived, obviously their, their gender who they were interested in, male, female, or other, if they were in a relationship, I think it was either married, single, or it's complicated. And I said, that's ideal for a dating offer. So I put together my landing page, which was kind of a cruddy landing page. And I put together some ads, my right-hand rail ads, and just put my credit card in and bam, ran some traffic. About two, three hours later, I realized maybe I should just check on this thing. And it was about 11 o'clock at night. And I went back into my Facebook ad account and I realized I hadn't made a single sale, hadn't gotten a single lead, but I had spent $3,000. And that's when I realized, I said, holy crap, there is so much traffic on this platform. If they could figure out the targeting, which they eventually did, you guys were genius with that. Like this would be a major platform for whatever it is that I did in digital marketing. So that was sort of the start. We ended up taking on real clients, no, no longer, you know, doing affiliate sales for Christian Mingle. And Facebook then became our primary platform in 2012 and to 2013 when ads appeared in the newsfeed and all the interest targeting and all the great stuff that you guys have became a reality. So ever since then, we've just built an agency based upon Facebook, now Instagram, now all the other platforms within Meta. And it's been a tremendous ride up until now. So you touched upon there a number of the pivotal changes of our business. As you said, like when you started, we didn't really have a mobile app business. It was still right-hand rail. And for anyone that that has been working with Facebook for that long, you'll remember there was the whole craze of, of likes on your page and building these apps. And that was my first foray into to Facebook. That's where I started in, in that industry before, before moving to the other side of the house. So... From there, you know, we went, we developed a mobile business and, you know, now we are where we are. From your experience, like, what do you think have been the most pivotal changes within that journey? And, and how did those inflections points help you grow your own business on Meta? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the focus on mobile was a huge one. I mean, back in you know, 2012, 2013, that range, and I can't exactly remember the first time I ran a newsfeed ad, but it was rented around that time. It was all desktop, really. That was the main focus. And I think that your shift over to mobile, we shifted right along with that. And then our landing pages and everything, when she clicked off, Facebook had to be mobile compliant. That was a huge shift. And obviously it it created a lot of momentum for the company. And we just sort of grew alongside Facebook all the way through. I mean, I think that the biggest fundamental change in the platform sort of pre, I know there was ads before the right-hand rail ones, but was really was the targeting options and the fact that you are now immersive in the newsfeed. And I think that was the big, big change that just transformed. We said, all right, we're going to go all in on this because I had done Google pay-per-click, you know, Yahoo, MSN, I had done SEO, I had display. I, you know, I used to call up websites and buy traffic off their site and then place a banner on it at a pre-existing rate, not even like CPM was like, yeah, I'll pay you 10 bucks a month or whatever. And then arbitrage that traffic with an affiliate offer. But it's right then that we sort of figured out, it was actually, I, I had a couple of SEO customers still as holdovers, and I would just boost some of their posts on Facebook. We're getting so much traffic just from there and buyers said, I've got to transition my whole agency over to that. So it was, I would say the most pivotal change was the targeting and really just switching over. Obviously, there was some big data that was involved with that. And now a little bit less so, but still the platform is the best advertising platform in the world. And it, that's why we really focused on just social, just Facebook, now Instagram, and obviously, you know, with Messenger. And it's been a tremendous way in which we can help businesses grow. And that's really the goal. We just so happen to do it with social ads. And now we do other ads, you know, we do other platforms, but still we always start with the meta platform. That was really the, the big, big shift. So there's lots of other little shifts there, but that was sort of the, the pivotal one for us that just changed everything. And throughout that transition, things obviously got far more complex. As you say, we started off with a very simple set of ad units. And now I couldn't even tell you how many ad units or placement options or combinations that we have. And whether it's a carousel or a video or something for reels or, or in stream or whatever it might be. So the amount of choice that's available there has, has grown in complexity significantly. Every year it gets, there's more and more options to choose from. Like how have you been able to navigate that with your clients and, and figure out, okay, like how do we chart this path? And when there is something new, like either take advantage of it or not, and be able to, you know, thread that needle to, to, the, to give the experience that you want for the, the clients that you serve. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question because I think it's one that agencies and business owners have struggled with. I mean, I remember when, you know, this is 2014, 2015, there was a lot of compliance issues. There was a lot of, you know, ad accounts being shut down and so forth. And that led us to myself. I actually, I said, all right, I know Sheryl Sandberg is in New York City for the week. I'm going to go down and meet her personally and get us some kind of account rep. And I ended up meeting her. She, I never met her, but I ended up meeting her assistant. And he somehow, I, I don't know how, but he got us an account man. The guy's name was Justin in the Austin office. And as soon as that happened, it was like, 
all of a sudden we were open to this new world. Not only did it help with policy and compliance issues and that kind of stuff, but anything that would come out, you'd say, hey, why don't you guys try this? Give it a shot. You know, and that's one of the beauties of the partner manager program that we've been a part of for quite some time now is we will always test anything that's new and always try it. Even if we might have tried it in the past and then we go back to it later on, like Reels ads right now. I remember when Instagram first came out as advertising. I'm really dating myself here, George, but that we had an issue with Instagram ads because people weren't used to seeing ads in their Instagram feed, you know, let alone stories. But um, that came later, obviously. The point was, is we tried it, it didn't work. And then our partner manager just kept saying, all right, guys, just keep at it. People maybe in Instagram really aren't used to seeing this quite yet. So keep at it, redo it six months later. And now it's a, it's a huge chunk of what we spend. If I think to the, the past of how many new platforms, how many new placements have come out, I would say to any advertiser, try it, test it, go all placements and see what works and what doesn't work. I mean, obviously the breakdowns aren't maybe what they once were, but the point is, it's like it's the entire platform. Sometimes the parts of the platform that might not look like they're pulling for you from a cost per acquisition or a return on ad spend perspective, lend itself to the entire whole of there's very many different points of of touch that needs to have happen in order for a conversion to occur. And conversions as a direct response and performance ad agency is what our customers hire us for. So yeah, try everything and then try it again and then try it again because any new placement, any new position in Facebook, usually it comes out, it might not be perfect at first. When some guy, obviously you guys have gotten a whole lot better with those sorts of things, but then just continue to use it because it's, more ad inventory where you can get your message across and ultimately for us, create results for our customers. Have you found within all that testing and learning and an iterative approach to how you, you leverage the platform, there have been just some best practices that, that is still ring true today from, from when you began or anything that's, that you still do that looking back, you know, you still did, you know, when you first started the business, whether it's methodologically or even philosophically when you, how you approach things. I would say to, uh, probably two things that testing that we now have at what we refer to as a sandbox campaign or a sandbox within an overall ad account that we try not to use or work against us or for us toward the completion of the goal. So for a goal for some of our customers, it might be cost per acquisition. It might be a return on ad spend. It might be, you know, impressions in rare cases but we will have a small percentage of their overall spend anywhere between one to 5% in sandbox campaigns where we are just testing in a lot of cases, messaging creative. It might be new placements in this case, like reels is a good example. So we'll have that set aside. Now, you know, in some of our customer accounts, they might be spending hundreds of thousands per month. It's a small portion. It's still a significant chunk. So we, look at that as something that's vital to making sure that we are are spending money as if it's our very own, but also that innovation side is really vital. And as a caveat to that, I think what's become really important and what's been consistent, especially within the last three to five years, is the importance of far more importance with messaging and creative. 
and especially in the last year, is you can't rely on great targeting and super precise data that maybe you could a year or two ago. But what is true now, and this is true in all of advertising, is the message really wins out. So if you look at where tier 11 has, we now have 60 some odd plus people, we used to be a very media buying centric, 70, 80% of people that worked here were media buyers. Now it's 50-50 between media buyers and creative and designers, video people, copywriters, all working on honing that front end message because the message ends up creating the market for you and the message ends up creating your targeting in a lot of cases. And that's one of the things I think that's a huge trend that I don't think any ad platform can necessarily just do it on its own through its magnificent targeting or algorithm or any of that sort of stuff. It goes back to basics on advertising, which is you have to speak to your avatar or avatars, main desires or main pain points. And what does your product or service do at a really psychological level, like very deep, do to be able to solve either one of those issues, either gain that desire or to solve a specific problem. And we, we have a lot of focus on that. And we spend upwards of two weeks, literally two weeks, through a process we call the creative lab that digs very, very deep on that. And we come out the other side and then present it to our customer. And then we test maybe those three or four or five different avatars with three or four or five different messages in order to expand that with oftentimes the same targeting that maybe they were using prior to our arrival. So I would say that's a huge trend that's going to continue. Yeah, on the creative front, I was curious how and what your point of view was and how technology fits into the future of creative within this the ecosystem. Because as you say, you know, as all of these placements have, have grown, the, the types of creative that you need to, to match the placements, we have tools that, that allow you to do this, but to tailor those messages and to allow you to do it at scale, you either have to hire an army of people or, you know, have technology on hand to help you in some way. And I'm curious, like, where you lie on that spectrum. Are you, are you someone that has really leveraged technology to help help you grow on the platform? Or, as you say, as you've grown the proportion of buyers to creatives within the agency, you know, you lean more on that personal touch? Or is it sort of a hybrid approach between the two? We have a lot of technology tools to create creatives and internal systems. The One of the things that we have not been able to supplant just the human being is the actual ad buying and the messaging. Now, there are tools that we do use on messaging and copywriting. And uh, I'll be honest with you, if I was starting a business now, I don't know as if a marketing agency would be the one that I would start because it's heavy people centric. <laughs> like, there's, there's really very few ways to leverage technology. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd love to have, you know, five media buyers and maybe five creative people and have them be able to triple or quadruple or quintuple their workload using some kind of technology to automate. We've tested pretty much everything that's out there, even worked on our own solutions, and nothing comes close to the, the human doing the research, the human doing the messaging, the human writing, the ad copy. Yes, there are solutions out there. We use those as well, especially on the copywriting side. But the idea itself still is a very human endeavor. So 
from a business perspective and a profitability perspective, I don't think an agency is a great business to get in for. Even if you're considering hiring internal team, you have to have so many smart people. But and those people are more and more expensive over time. So it's just a reality of where we are right now, especially on this platform with Meta. My friends in the Google world who started Google agencies, maybe less so, but still you need humans to do the thing. And for us, the, the thing that's most important and most impactful right now is, is messaging. And that comes back to good old copywriting, research, a lot of the, the old you know, marketing strategies coming from the old marketing books. And we've got a pretty cracked team that, that does that at Tier 11 that I'm really proud of. And even though if they, leave, they listen to this, they're like, well, Ralph sounds like he wants to fire me. That's not it. Like, <laughs> even with the technology, it's like it, it, the human element is absolutely essential. I don't think that'll ever change. Hey, it's Gossam here, and I have another question for you. What would your business look like if you had 55% more traffic, 67% more leads, and 30% more revenue on top of what you're already producing? Would that make a big difference in your bottom line or even your bank account? Well, those are the statistics for businesses that blog consistently. And I think the reason is simple. It's because Google wants to recommend websites with helpful content. Here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and write blogs. And even if I did manage to get enough words on the page, none of it's going to be any good. So if you're in that same position, I want to recommend our buddies at BKA Content who will write all of your blogs for you. They'll do all the research and all the writing. So all you have to do is copy and paste. If you want to try them out, they're giving PT listeners 50% off. That's 5-0% off their first month. Just go to BKAContent.com forward slash perpetual. That's BKAContent.com forward slash perpetual. And so I want to dig into something you mentioned there is it's a problem that a lot of companies go through in terms of this notion of sort of building or buying. So you mentioned, you know, teams having to build those resources in-house, whether it's technological or those expertise in-house about all of these different areas. And then they weigh up the, 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 the cost of buying that and leveraging a partner to help you. Like, at what point have you seen that, you know, that crossover be that crossover and how... Do you, trying to think of the right way to phrase it, like what advice do you give to people who are at that transition point who are thinking, well, do I take the plunge and build my own resources or do I take the plunge and invest in, in working and building a solid relationship with a partner? Like what guidance, and I know being from Tier 11, and I hopefully you can give a objective answer as best you can, but I think that's an interesting dilemma that many people face that I'd love your thoughts on, on how they navigate that, because it is something that most marketing teams will go through at some point as their business grows. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a dilemma. I think we talk a lot to CMOs, VPs, marketing directors of marketing, and they're faced with that dilemma. And the, the answer that I typically will come back to is that investing in an agency is a financial decision, but it's also a partnership not just us creating results and then you sitting back and letting it all happen. It's a, it's a two-way street. So I think CMOs, VPs of marketing, you know, owner operators of businesses struggle with this question. Should I outsource it or should I hire internally? Knowing what I know about the technicalities of, of running Facebook ads, especially on the meta platform and other platforms, it's really hard to find the right types of people that can work and mesh in a team 
in order to create results for the average business. So in most cases, it becomes a financial decision. Do I actually have the budget to be able to invest in an agency? But if you, especially if you have a product that's already selling. So for example, like there's, there's a customer that we're onboarding, I believe this week or the end of next week, they, they don't have any presence on social, but they have a $25 million direct mail business. And we did an analysis and said, all right, listen, there's going to be one, two, three months of trial and error to take what you guys have been able to do to be successful offline and make it successful online with interruption marketing and Facebook being the primary modality. And in that case, like when I get on those calls, I'll tell people like, listen, this is what I think we should do. And, and our sales team, our biz dev team is really good at that. So the, that's a case where, all right, should I hire an agency? Should I hire an internal team? I said, you can leapfrog the competition. You can speed up your learning curve by hiring us. At some point in time, will you maybe get an internal team? That happens. And if I go back and I look at customers who have left tier 11, not everybody stays with us for 10 years. A lot of them did create internal teams and that's fine. And that's just a natural evolution of business. What I will say to people is that, all right, I've got an offer that I think is going to work. I don't have $25 million in sales. I have zero sales, but I think it's going to work. And all I need is an agency to come in and this thing is going to be successful. Those are the customers who say, we, sorry, we can't work with you. Like, here's what you should do. <laughs> Get your credit card out, open a Facebook account, you know, we'll send you some training, you know, or learn it on your own and just try and dial this stuff in $10 a day, $100 a day, boost a few posts, get some sense as to whether the, what you are trying to offer the market resonates at all. It's like, all you need is a credit card, a business page. It's not that hard to get stuff started. Just boost a few posts with content that's targeted to what you think your market is and start learning at a few dollars a day as opposed to hiring an agency, which can be eight figures in some cases, like the fee itself. And I hate to see businesses, you know, just convince us to work with them. And then at 90 or 120 days, they're like, this just isn't working because my offer isn't working and you guys are too expensive. And we've made that mistake. before. And so you touched on two interesting scenarios there, you know, the, the existing company that has a big budget that has that has no meta presence or has, you know, a very small share of their, their budget going onto meta and the brand new company startup that has no idea, even if they have sort of a product market fit yet, like what advice do you give? Well, what more advice could you give to those who currently aren't doing an, an advertising on meta at all, or have only, you know, portioned a very small part of their budget because they haven't been able to find that, that necessary fit yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, well, they need a business page first. I mean, I think that's the first thing. If they don't have that, then they sort of have to start creating that. But I mean, that starts with content. I mean, content still does drive the internet, whether that's video, whether it's written, whether it's audio, like we're doing here, audio and video here. So how do you know what will resonate with your market and, and unless you actually go out, put it in front of that market? And this is a really easy way to start on Meta is to you have a blog, you know, if you have pre-existing content, if you have video, we're sort of assuming that people will have that. If they have nothing, they don't really have a whole lot to post. But if they've got that, 
then start posting that on your page at a couple of dollars a day and see what resonates. Go back into your page insights and look at how's my engagement. We look at this as a part of the initial phase when working with a customer. Say a customer customer says, all right, we want to work with you guys. We have a discovery call. At the end of it, we'll say, all right, what we'd like to do is we would like to take a look at the last 90 days, what you've done on social, Facebook, Google, other platforms, where you are right now, what your goal is, and where we feel we can get you within the next 90 to 180 days. So it's uh, where you've been, where are you right now, and then where you, you need to be. And what we oftentimes will do is, getting back to the messaging question, messaging is everything, and especially on, on any social platform, but especially with Facebook, is we'll go and look in their pages and look at page insights into which page posts have gotten the most engagement that relate to their product or service. And oftentimes, those little seeds, if they're planted, can create what we refer to as unicorn ads that really resonate with the market and sell and come in at a cost per acquisition that's amenable. So that's part of our analysis. And we use that even now. It's like, it's the most basic info. So looking at your data, getting yourself out there, this is not an expensive proposition. You, you can test for dollars a day and it's, it'll be amazing what you'll find out about your market. And that way you'll know, okay, when and if I start really doing advertising inside ads manager, or maybe next step, I hire an agency, at least I have a direction in which to, to go on. Yeah. And I think it would be, it would be a, a miss before we think about wrapping up today's show to not touch upon some of the biggest challenges that advertisers are facing currently. So there's a huge shift going on in the industry. We are still two years nearly into a global pandemic. There's all sorts of technological shifts going on. And I'm just curious from your point of view, like what are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges that you're facing and the advertisers that, that you serve are facing today? Well, I mean, just on the meta platform, I think is the attribution question. I mean, I think things have, when the iOS 14 update really took hold in the middle of the summer last year, there was a lot of businesses and at the meta and Facebook's point, I mean, the smaller businesses really did suffer because they were so granular on that day's ROAS, that day's performance. And when all of a sudden there was a dramatic shift in visibility, and in a lot of cases, obviously delayed reporting, that was a tremendous shift. And we, we had a number of customers that ended up just, they probably were sort of borderline, like they were still kind of new. There were maybe one product, maybe they weren't quite mature. They couldn't look at things from a 30,000 foot view. And they were really very transfixed on a one day score, like one day CPA, one day return on ad spend, maybe even three day or five day, seven day. So transitioning from super granular and looking at everything on a one day or, or very short term, transitioning that and getting people to think, all right, you got to think about this long term. You're trying to build a business here using this platform where there are billions of monthly active users. Your audience is there. So is this going to be a part of your overall marketing strategy? And those businesses are the ones that continue to survive and thrive. And we've got customers that even through iOS did extremely well, had their best years ever. And I think they took the longer view. And 
yeah, we can get granular data. And I think you guys are doing a much better job now of populating or backpopulating that data in. And we've seen a lot of shifts there, which have been tremendous. But I think the biggest change, the biggest challenge is getting people to start think a little bit more globally through not just what they see inside Ads Manager alone, but also looking at their CRM, their Shopify store. How are things being affected overall? And what we do know is that when you, we see this universally, even if you might not see the conversions coming in on Ads Manager, as soon as you dip down your Facebook ad spend or your meta ad spend, your revenue for your Shopify store or your CRM starts to decrease alongside with it. And I think that's where advertising was years ago. And I think a lot of companies maybe got spoiled with like the amazing reporting you guys have had up until that point. It's still amazing to this day, but I think a lot of those businesses that maybe weren't prepared are the smaller ones that had that shorter term mindset we tend to really focus on bigger picture. Let's look at marketing efficiency ratio, which is total revenue divided by ad spend in total, Facebook being one of them. And then how all these attribution things play out, we have tools that we use for that. But I think that's been the, the biggest challenge, I think, for customers as well as for us as an advertiser. But I look at it as just another challenge you know, you know, I mean, there were seven or eight of them along the way through. I've been doing this, you know, since 2010, 2009. And, and this is just one more, you know, the best end up surviving because they figure out a way around it and, and get better as a result. And how do you see yourselves innovating around those challenges? So you've mentioned you've seen six, seven, eight challenges over your time running the company, and this is just another one. And, and so what is it about this challenge that if is there anything that will allow you to to have more innovation around it or innovation with the industry that excites you about what's coming in the future yeah i, I think the uh, the things that really excite me are everything that's after the click whether that's on platform or off platform and as an ad agency i think we would always look at the after the click experience but never really have products or services specifically around it for years until about two to three years ago, where we started to add that to the part portfolio. So my, my assertion was, hey, you know, if we can get a conversion rate to cold traffic from 1% to 2%, well, your $50 CPA all of a sudden goes down to $25. I mean, it's just simple math. The ad is only one part of the total advertising experience. And I think some of the on-platform stuff that you guys have going right now is the next evolution of that. But I also think like people have to think just, it's not about ads. It's about everything after you click. And that includes great sales pages, ad copy and copywriting and images and videos after the click that really resonate with the message that's resonating before the click. But it's also the total user experience of, enhancing average order value. Like look at ways in which you can acquire a customer at a higher price. Because one of the things I think that's gonna be never changing and it hasn't changed ever since we first started is ad prices are continuing to go up. I mean, consumer price index is going up anyway and advertising just goes along with it. So it's gonna be more expensive a year from now to acquire a customer than it is today. So what are you going to use if you're using just your ads and your ad copy alone 
as the single thing, well, look at that after the click experience as an integral part of the advertising as a whole. And that's been a shift for us in the last two to three years, which has powered the effectiveness of our ads on Meta as well as the other platforms. And I think if businesses aren't looking at that, uh, there's businesses out there that haven't split tested their pricing or their landing pages in five years. Like we see them all the time. Like that unto itself is something that really does have change, which means it's a little harder now than it was before. But the fruits of that labor are really going to pay off because what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be able to grow a business, beat out the competition, and ultimately have a, a great user experience for your customers, which is the goal. So Ralph, it's been it's been amazing to have you on the show today, and you've shared a wealth of information and knowledge about all sorts of different ways people can you know get more out of of the platform. But if there was one thing that you would want the listener to take away today, like what would be the single biggest thing that that if they're not doing, they should start doing just to to finish on a high. Yeah, this is going to be cliche, but I mean, uh, uh, advertising is dealing with a lot of failure. <laughs> really, I hate to say that, but I have a baseball player as a son and he's like, hey, one of the things I love about baseball is like, I failed two out of three times, but you know, I figure out what was wrong and it makes me better as a result. So for us as, as advertisers, I mean, we're probably about out of every 10 ads or 10 messages that we create, if we're getting three of them to resonate, that's great. We, we get two that's probably more average. When we first started, it was one out of 10 there's still a lot of failure. And it's about, even if let's say you created 10 different ads, you created 10 different images, different ad copies, maybe the same ad copy, different image, maybe 10 different videos, that's 10 different iterations of the same message. And only one of them gets conversions and works. Like that's a win because you have to be able to figure out like what works in the market. And I think as an advertising agency, it's always been fascinating to me, human psychology. What convinces people to buy? What persuades people to buy? Like that idea of persuasion. And you're not going to get it right every single time. And I think for any advertiser, and I hear this a fair amount when we used to do a, a lot of Facebook ads training, it's like, oh, I tried Facebook and it didn't work. Or I tried Meta and it didn't work. Well, how many ads did you try? Well, tried a couple that was it. It's like, it's not enough. Like that doesn't mean that you need to spend tens of thousands of dollars. It means that you just, you figured out a couple of things that don't work. And there's that old adage by Thomas Edison about the filament light bulb. You know, I'm not going to repeat that one here, but like he failed and tried like 3000, 5,000, 10,000 times, depending on what your quote is. It's not like that, but he'll light the entire world. Like you as an advertiser, if you fail a couple of times, it's just experience but look at your data maybe there's a higher click-through rate on one of those ads maybe there's a lower cpm maybe there's a lower cpc maybe there your click to landing page view was higher for that particular ad look at that data even though you might not see a sale or a lead remember the first time i advertised on facebook it was christian mingle three thousand dollars no leads you know but it, I, I learned a lot i eventually made it work and that was an expensive mistake, Jordan, which I don't want anybody to repeat. But the point was, I figured out what didn't work. And then by extension, you figure out ultimately what does work because advertising is a lot of trial and error. For sure. 
Amazing. Now, I just want to extend a big thank you to you, Ralph, for joining us here on the show today. So Ralph Burns, founder and CEO of Tier 11. And for everybody who has been listening today, I just want to thank you for joining us in today's episode. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. Thank you for listening. 